Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's so great to see you today. A few years ago, Dr. Phil featured a individual on his show. Uh, it was a man that was found beaten and he was about to die uh, behind a Burger King in Georgia. And the Burger King staff called the ambulance and they came in and saved this guy's life. He was found completely naked. He had no identification on him. And when he finally woke up in the hospital, he could not remember his name, his, his identification. He didn't know his phone number, his social security number. He couldn't remember where he was from, where he worked, where he lived. He, he absolutely could not remember anything. And Dr. Phil featured it on his show, hoping that somebody would recognize, hey, that's my neighbor, that's my uncle, that's, that's my associate, that's my whoever. And nothing worked. Uh, Dr. Phil hired a private investigator to try to figure out who this guy was, and they couldn't find, find out. The FBI got involved. They did a DNA testing on him. They did his fingerprints. They did the whole nine yards. They still could not determine who is this man. And while he was trying to regain his memory, he, the nurse that helped him at the hospital actually took him into her own home to try to help him gain his memory back and to no avail. Nothing worked. And from the year 2004 to 2015, this guy could not remember who he was. Can, can you just imagine for just a moment what it would be like to forget who you were? I mean, what would it be like if you couldn't even remember your spouse or your friends or, or, or the kind of work that you do or, or what you do for fun or, or where you're from or where you went to high school or whatever it may be? Can you just imagine that? I think spiritually speaking, there's a lot of people that have forgotten their identity. And one of the greatest aspects of being able to move forward in faith is to understand who you are. I want you to turn in your Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter 2 because Peter, the apostle, helps us to understand our identity. And if we're going to reach our destiny, we have to understand our identity. Identity has so much to do with where we are and where we are going. Look with me if you would. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not perceived, received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Peter shares with us four things related to our Identity. I want you to write these things down today. I changed the title of the message. The message title is Identity Found because Peter helps us to understand where we are from and who, what our real identity is. And he says, first of all, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Part of my identity is I've been chosen by God. Look at it. But you are, say it with me, a Chosen race, right? You, you, you've been chosen. You're, you're a chosen people. And then in verse 10, he contrasts this and he says, You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. In other words, you used to be a nobody. 
And now you're a somebody. In the ancient world, your ethnicity, your identity, your family of origin had everything to do with who you were. And he says, listen, you used to be a nobody, and now you're a somebody because I chose you. I chose you. Did you know that if you're in Christ, you have been chosen by God? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that God chose us even before the foundations of the world. I mean, God chose you even before he created the heavens and the earth. That's how much God loved you. You were on God's mind. And you know why it's so important to understand that we were chosen by God? is because we recognize that there was nothing that we have done to equal or to necessitate God's choosing of us. It was all in his mercy and grace. And God chose you. When I think of the word chosen, I think of the elementary school playground. I used to love to play a little kickball and whatever the kids were playing. There were two kids in my elementary school that always, that were always the captains. You know, it was like they had self-appointed themselves. You know, we're the captains. We're the captains. And they would always pick the kids. I was always kind of like towards the, the bottom end of the stack. And I remember the kids saying, you know, we'll take, you know, they would pick three or four kids each side. And then they would look at all the rest of us and they would just say, all right, you half go on this team and the other half go on this team. And I just wanted to be chosen. I didn't want to be in the anonymous crowd that had been randomly assigned to one team. I wanted somebody to pick me. Well, that somebody is God. God has chosen you, man. If you know the Lord, you're in Christ, you've been chosen by God. That's part of your identity. You've been accepted by him. My family's been watching the America's Got Talent TV show. Do we have any fans today? America's Got Talent, does anybody watch that? Okay, we got a few people. Okay, y'all's family's into it. Okay, awesome, good job over here. Yeah, it's great. And so if you don't watch the show, it's a talent show. And they have, it's kind of like American Idol, but with different talents. And there's four judges, and each judge has a golden buzzer. And if they like your talent so much that they push the golden buzzer, that fast forwards you all the way to the grand finale. I mean, you go to the finals, man. You can just have one, one audition, and then, boom, you're fast forwarded over all the other rounds if one judge pushes that button. The trick is... Each judge only gets the golden button one time a season. So it's a big deal. Well, there was a, a chubby man by the name of Ben Trigger. Ben Trigger was a ballet dancer, a chubby ballet dancer. And he's shaking his thing all over the stage in his tutu and his tights. And uh, this guy's got mad ballet moves, and he's a big dude. It's like when you first start to see, you're like, I don't know what to think about that. But at the end, he lays down on the judge's table for like a last move, and he inadvertently hits one of the golden buzzers. I mean, golden confetti is raining from the heavens. The music is playing. The lights are going crazy. Everybody's like, what does that mean? What does that do? And the judge says to him, hey, buddy, you can't pick yourself. Nice try, right? Can't pick yourself. Luckily for him, though, he was chosen by the judges to go to the next round. When God picked you, he pushed 
the golden buzzer. You're his prize. God picked you. God chose you. You didn't pick yourself, golden buzzer. God picked you. God picked you. So who am I? Well, I'm chosen. I'm chosen by God. I'm also called. I'm called. I'm not just chosen. I'm chosen and I'm called. But you are chosen as a royal priesthood. Look at uh, 1 Peter 2.9 again. A royal priesthood. The message paraphrases, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. You're a priest. I mean, part of following Jesus is the priesthood, baby. The priesthood. Most of you didn't wake up this morning and look in the mirror and say, I'm a priest. <laughs> I'm a priest. The word priest has a lot of different connotations to it. I grew up going to Episcopalian school and we had chapel every day. It was a very religious school. And, and I just remember the priest. He had the big hat, you know, looked like the Pope. I don't know what they call those things. I grew up in an evangelical church, okay? So this was, this was great, very interesting to me. The collar, the gowns, the big booming voice. I was terrified of the priest. I mean, it was just like to even see him was like, wow, you know, that kind of thing. The scripture says you're a priest, man. You're a priest, but what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, in ancient times, the priest, the priests were the ones that connected people with God. And they did so by blood sacrifice. Read the Old Testament. Priests would offer an atonement for sin. And if you fast forward a little bit, even to the times of Jesus, in the temple there in Jerusalem, there was a great veil that divided the holy place from the holy of holies. And the Holy of Holies was the place that one time a year, a priest, the great high priest, actually, or the high priest, would go to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. One time a year. One dude. They tied a rope around his leg because if he dropped dead in the presence of God, they wanted to be able to get his body out before the next year. The tough place. When Jesus was crucified, Matthew 27 the veil that divided the holy place from the holy of holies was split, representing the fact that no longer do we have to have a priest that went to God on our behalf, but that all of us could go to God on behalf of Jesus. You see, you don't have to go to God through somebody. You can go to God through Jesus yourself. When you have sin in your life, you don't have to come confess your sins to somebody else. You can confess your sins directly to God. When you want to know what God thinks about a certain issue, you can read the Bible for yourself. That's what we call the priesthood of the believer. It's a huge shift in Christian thought. 500 years ago, a man by the name of Martin Luther began to read the Bible. He was a, he was a Catholic monk. And he began to read the scripture and he began to see inconsistencies with the, with the Catholic church and with what he was reading in the Bible. And that led to the Protestant Reformation. And we're standing here today largely or at least partly in part of Martin Luther and other, other reformers who began to take scripture um, in its most 
literal context and begin to get back to what God said in the beginning. But Martin Luther said, people can go to God by themselves. They don't have to go through a priest or a monk. Amen. That's called the priesthood of the believer. You're a priest. That means that you can pray to God. That means you can talk to God. That means you can be close to God. You know, in many religions around the world, there's a hierarchy. People that are really far from God, people that are sort of far from God, people that are somewhere in the middle, people that are close to God, people that are really close to God. And you know what I'm talking about. In the Christian faith, there is no hierarchy. You can be as close to God as you want to be. There is no, you know, small, medium, and large in the kingdom of God. You can go directly to God. And you can have that relationship with the Lord, that closeness with Him. There's acceptance, there is love, there is joy, there is peace, there's power, and so many other things. And thank God we begin to get back to this. Well, why was the priest, why was the priest a huge part of of the ancient world. Well, the priests connected people with God. They helped people find forgiveness of sins and they led people in worship. And by the way, those same mandates are for us today. God's given you a ministry. Part of being a priest is you have a ministry. We love to say here at Edge Church, every member is a minister. God wants you to serve in some way. God wants you to be about people. Why? Because you're, you're a priest. Every member is a minister. So here's what that means. The professional clergy, the ordained, the church staff, whoever it may be, they don't do all the ministry. Did you know that? We do our part of the ministry. We lead, we equip, we, we, we cast vision. But God has called the people to be the priests. And if you think about it, the impact that only a few professional ministers could have versus the impact of an entire congregation of people that are advocating for God, bringing friends to church, praying for people, uh, leading people spiritually in worship, whatever it may be. The impact is exponential if all of us are fulfilling the callings that God has on our life. Makes a lot more sense. I mean, I've got... I've got some influence in our community. I've got my neighbors and I've got the, 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 the families of the kids on the basketball team. And I've got the, the, the friends of my kids at school. And, and I got people I drink Starbucks with sometimes over here at the coffee shop. And I know some people. But you know what? You know a lot of people that I don't know. And it's beautiful when we all work together and we all begin to advocate for God and we all begin to work towards helping people understand the life-changing message of Jesus, what can we do? And part of being a priest is serving according to your giftings. Last week, we talked about our spiritual gifts. God has given everybody, every follower of Christ, at least one. You got at least one gift. You may look around and go, I don't feel gifted. You got at least one, and God wants you to use that gift as a priest. In the Old Testament, priests used their gifts in different ways. They had different, different responsibilities, different, different areas of service. The church is the same thing. 
We have different areas of service. We have different things that we do. We have different things that we participate in. And, and if you have the gift of serving, then you ought to serve. And if you have the gift of exhortation, you ought, to, you ought to encourage somebody. And if you have the gift of teaching, you ought to teach. And if you have the gift of mercy, you, you ought to show compassion on somebody. And if you have the gift of evangelism, you ought to talk to people about faith in Christ and whatever that it may be. When you operate with your gifts, you are living out your priesthood and God's using your life. Everybody's important. You know, next Sunday night, we're having a great, a great gathering here at the church, five o'clock. It's called Team Night. And Edge Church is a big team. And we'd love for you to come and join us. All of our serve teams are going to be here. If you're not on a team and you want to be a priest, you want to serve, you want to be connected, you want to be involved, you want God to use your life, come and join us right here at five o'clock. We're going to eat dinner together. We're going to have a great time. Because we want to be the kind of church that's helping people live out their identity. And part of our identity is the priesthood. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. Practically speaking, man, this is a great opportunity for us to impact people. So your AA group, your neighborhood, your work associates, your friends, opportunity. Did you know the reason that mission exists is because worship does not? There's a lot of homes today. There's a lot of people that are not worshiping the Savior. And we as a priest have an opportunity to advocate for God, to help people discover what it means to worship. That's living a life of mission. Mission exists because worship does not. Well, what else is our identity? The scripture says we're also set apart. I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm set apart. I'm set apart. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9 again. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Uh, say it with me. A holy nation. Yes, a holy nation. A people for his possession. A holy nation. We are set apart. We are set apart. Um, it doesn't mean that we're the cool kids at the lunch table and other people can't eat with us. Set apart means that we have distinctives, though. It means that we don't think about the world and about our families and about our values the way that everybody else in the culture thinks. We have different motivations. We have different ideologies. We have, we have different motivations. They're, they're, they're different. They're different. Set apart. And if, listen, part of your identity is you're a priest, but you're also set apart to God. We just don't read off of the same sheet of music that everybody else does in our culture. And that's a good thing. And I believe that we stand out when we do that. You know, our culture, there's a lot of pressure on young girls to put pictures on the internet that are inappropriate, lots of skin. A lot of people are wanting attention. I want to get likes. I want to be told I'm beautiful. I want to feel special. There is, there's a lot of pressure on young girls to do that. You know what? You're beautiful because God chose you, not because you got this many likes or got these comments online. Amen? You're beautiful before God. You, you live by a different standard. Don't, 
don't go the way of the culture and the way of the world. And don't settle for that. I was playing some basketball this last week and I was at one end of the court and some some other guys were playing at the other end of the court. And there was one word that I kept hearing over and over and over again. The first letter started with F and it had four letters. And it was almost like there was no other word in the entire English dictionary that could express whatever was needing to be said. And there was like a hundred versions of the same word. You know, sometimes it was more drawn out. Sometimes it was more this. Sometimes it was coupled with one other word. And I thought, are we so unintelligent that we can't think of any other word to use to express our feelings? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, we were playing basketball with some, with some other kids and there was, there was no use of this word that I was hearing a lot of the other, the other night. And I thought to myself, who are these guys? And uh, I found out later they were a church group. I was like, that's amazing. And I remember before I knew they were a church group just going, who are these guys? They act different. They're not like everybody else at the basketball court. I kind of admired them a little bit. And I found out, oh, they all go to church together. That's amazing. I want you to know, church, you should stand out. When people see your life and the way you conduct yourself, the way you live, the way you talk, your attitudes, your motivation, listen, it's different. And if you try to be like everybody else, you're not set apart as unto God. And that's not your identity. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Doesn't work. Set apart to God. Set apart. Our culture loves to critique, to rip people to shreds, especially online. When we get upset, where's Twitter? That's the world system. Mercy, grace, kindness. That's from the Spirit of God. You're set apart, man. Don't get into that trap. Don't get into a Twitter war with somebody. Come on, man. We don't do that. That's silliness. Set apart to God. We've decriminalized small um, amounts of drugs in our state coming up very soon. You can, you can have all kinds of drugs as long as it's a small amount. We just have a very permissive culture when it comes to drugs. Just, it's become so much a part of our culture in Colorado. Really, it's sad. It's sad. Listen, you don't have to be high on that stuff. You should be high on Jesus. You should be high on the Lord. Don't be like everybody else. You're set apart as unto God. You're a priest. You're called. You're chosen. You're different, and different is good. And we need different. We need different. He also says you're valuable. I'm valuable. First Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. A people for his possession. The word possession refers to a practice of the ancient kings of the east they would keep a small treasure box for their own 
treasury. This gold was not for roads or for ships. It was for their own private use. It was their personal treasury. It was their personal wealth. This is the word that's being used here. You are a people for his possession. You are God's treasure. You are valuable to God. Don't ever let anybody tell you you are not valuable. God created you in the beginning because you are valuable. You matter. Your life has a purpose. It has a purpose because you're valuable. And things are valuable generally because of the person that owns them. Um, a few years ago, Justin Bieber was on the Ellen show and he gave Ellen a lock of his hair and he autographed the box and guess how much it sold for? $40,600 for a lock of the Biebs. I was thinking about that. I thought, you know, he shouldn't even worry about writing songs anymore. He should just sell pieces of his hair. I mean, the guy could be wealthy. Some of you are looking for a job. Maybe you could partner up with the Biebs and sell, you know, little locks of hair. You know, you could put that on the Internet, have your own website. Be awesome. Online commerce. Amen. Why was it valuable? Your hair, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, probably wouldn't sell for $40,600. Why did the Biebs hair sell for so much? Because of who it belonged to. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson was on um, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno a few years ago, and she blew her nose, and she put the Kleenex in a Ziploc baggie and signed it, and they sold it on eBay for 5300 bucks. Now, I think the Biebs got her beat with the lock of hair, right? For most people, a snotty Kleenex has no value. But it was valuable because of who it belonged to. J.K. Rowling's, the author of the um, Harry Potter series, supposedly sat in a certain chair for the writing of her first two books. And uh, not too long ago, that chair sold for $394,000. That must be one heck of a chair. Can you imagine some major Harry Potter waves kind of coming over you sitting in that chair? Why was it so valuable who it belonged to? You're valuable because you belong to God. You're not valuable because of how you feel. You're valuable because God said you belong to me. That's why you're valuable. And in Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 43.1, he, he echoed this same sentiment. He said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And then in Titus 2.14, speaking of Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. You're valuable to God. You know, things are also valuable based on how much people are willing to pay for them. If we were to talk to a real estate agent and we were to say, hey, what, what is the value of this house? They would probably say, Whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. And it's crazy how much people are willing to pay for certain things, isn't it? 
really is. You're valuable because God was willing to send his own son to die on a cross and to rise from the grave on the third day. He was willing to pay a lot for you. The life of his own son. You're valuable to God. You are God's treasure. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So what am I to do if I'm chosen, if I'm called, if I'm set apart and I'm valuable? How should I respond? Look at the culmination of 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for its possession. And don't miss this. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What am I supposed to do? I am supposed to proclaim his praises. Uh, the, the message paraphrase said, said uh, Now tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. From rejected to accepted. That's who God sees you as. Yeah, we're to proclaim his praises. We're to speak about God. We're to tell people about the greatness of the Lord because of what he has done. Because of what he's done. The word proclaim means to advertise or to broadcast. To broadcast something, to advertise it. And we're broadcasting the greatness of God. Man, I hope that you, I hope that you enjoy talking about what Christ has done in your life. If you ever get to the point where it's awkward to never share what God has brought you through and what God has brought you out of, I think you're missing a huge part here of your identity. Because the natural response to really understanding I'm valuable, I'm called, I'm chosen, and I'm set apart is I got to tell somebody. Janet Jackson, the pop star, Michael Jackson's sister, she had a secret marriage years ago. She married one of her musicians or one of her little songwriter guys. And they had, a, they had an anonymous marriage. They didn't live together. Can you imagine how weird that would be if you were at work and somebody said, hey, man, do you kind of like her? I saw the way you looked at her. Oh, man, no, I'm not interested in her at all. I, I, I want to date. So it would just be awkward, wouldn't it? And you know what? The marriage didn't last very long. Because how can you be married to somebody and never talk about them? How can you be married to somebody and never acknowledge them? It's a strange relationship. It doesn't work that way. You know, when you're married, you want to talk about your spouse. You want to share about your family and what you do. And that's, that's the norm. And he says here, we ought to proclaim the praises of God because he's made a night and day difference in our lives. A night and day difference. He called us out of the darkness and into the light. Now, I got a question today. I got a question today. And I want you just to stand up today if this has been your experience. Has God called you? And I'm talking to this section right here, and I'll get to you guys in just a minute. Let me ask you a question. I want you to stand to your feet. If God has called you out of the darkness and into the light, has that been anybody's experience? I mean, come on, just stand up. Yeah, where you are. I mean, you know where you used to be. Amen. And now you see where you are today. 
God called you out of the darkness and the light and you guys can just remain standing. What about you guys? Has anybody, has God called you out of the darkness? You used to live in despair and you met Christ. Come on, let's put our hands together, church. Come on. And you remember what it was like to live in the darkness? Oh, but now I'm in the light. I got I to gotta tell people his praises. What about over here, man? Anybody, anybody church that was in the darkness and God called you into the light and you know what it is to live in the brokenness and the alienation and the loneliness and the fear and the anxiety and the doubt and depression and God's called you. How can we respond otherwise? We got to tell others the night and day difference that he has made in our lives. Let's all stand together today and let's just put our hands together for Jesus one more time. Come on, let's celebrate what he's done. Amen. Amen. Listen, God has done some amazing things and we got to we got to tell his story. There's a story to be told. You have a story. Every follower of Jesus has a story about how they were in the darkness and how they came to the light. Let's tell that story, man. Let's tell that story. Let's get rid of that spiritual amnesia. Let's get rid of spiritual ignorance and let's recognize our true identity. I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm valuable, and I'm set apart. Would you bow with me for just a moment?